Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up if i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, and I'm staring at a birthday boy. I am a birthday boy. Happy birthday, Marcus <laughs> Parks, everybody. 35 30, years young? 35 years young. Wow, you look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're a handsome devil. I don't look a day over 26. That's right. Maybe? And your teeth don't look a day over two, because that's when you <laughs> replaced them about two years ago. Looking great, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so we got a bunch of stuff to get to. At the end of this episode, I had a chance to interview this fella, Anthony Graves. And uh, it was a heartbreaking interview. This dude spent eight, 18 and a half years, to imagine that, 18 and a half years incarcerated, 12 years in solitary confinement um, on death row for a crime he did not commit. So make sure you stick around. I mean, it is as heartbreaking as you can imagine. I asked him if it was, as I always equate solitary confinement to, being buried above ground, being buried alive, and he's like, that's it. And he really, uh, you can't ask for a nicer human being after all of this. I don't know how I would be. I really, I I don't, I I might just be the most bitter person on the face of the planet, uh, but he was... A total 180 of that. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's either become extremely bitter or become Damien Eccles, you know? Yeah. Like yep. somebody who can speak out about it, somebody who figures yep. like if they can they can turn something good out of the yep. horrible experience they uh, were put through. Yep, he wouldn't wish it on anybody. He has a book, Infinite Hope, uh, which I have been thumbing through. And yes, he is just un- a great example a sad example of criminal justice, the criminal justice reform we so desperately need in this country. There was a study that went out, uh, and they uh, estimated that 4% of people on death row, I think that number is higher, but this is what they could prove, 4% are um, innocent. Yeah. However, they only exonerate roughly 1.5%. So they know for a fact, even with those really conservative estimates, that they are executing half of the innocent population, more than half of the innocent population on death row. And I think the number is higher, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's just my personal I mean, it's hot take. Those, those people have no money. They have nobody right. Nobody who cares about them that's has right. money. So it's, it's not that nobody cares about these yep. people. People do care do. about these guys. Uh, but they don't have the money uh, yep. to make other people care. Unless you get the pro bono. Uh, which is what happened with he and what happened with Damien Eccles, of course, with his lovely wife. I believe it's Lori mm-hmm. who financed their whole life. Yeah. She financed everything. 
and gave up everything uh, to save Damian Eccles. And they're so slow. So even if you have definitive proof, this is I believe this is the West Memphis 3 as well. I believe there was de- uh, DNA evidence that exonerated them. There was mm-hmm. no DNA evidence on the body whatsoever. I'm fairly certain that's the case. It still takes years. Yeah. Even after you can have definitive proof of innocence, uh, the system is so clunky. It's so slow. They never want to admit they're wrong. That's why the Alford plea, for example. Yes, that's what it was. Oh, the worst thing you can possibly imagine. This was in Arkansas for Damian Eccles. You plead. It's very bizarre. The state says you're guilty. You plead innocent, but they let you go. Like yeah. this, but this, so technically, the state of Arkansas has never wrongfully convicted anyone. Yeah. Because they have this magical, really, I, the, the wording is just so backwards and crazy. And it's just more definitive proof that our justice system needs an immense amount of reform. But meanwhile, <laughs> it's going in the wrong direction. Of course it is, as everything is. Uh, turn, well, the economy, Marcus, think uh, about all the, the, economy the economy is good. 60% of Americans say it's good. The economy is great, and all, all we had to do was sell our soul to get it. Well, let's think about our stocks and bonds <laughs> let's, here. Let's think about our let's stocks think and bonds. About, let's think. And, and yeah, I mean, that's what people keep coming back to again yeah. and again. It's like they never talk about the good things that Trump done. They never talk about the economy. Sure. It's like, you know, yeah, there are some jobs coming back. There but are. It, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, there they're, they uh, just opened up. Or the they're, well, Apple, they're yep. about to open up a new uh, car plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember which state that's yeah. in, but the, it's about like 4,000 jobs or so. Yeah. Uh, but it's not worth it. Right. Well, I, I don't know. It's worth it to those people. I, think I know. We, it, I think we can. I don't think these are mutually exclusive things. I think we can give credit where the uh, credit is due in the economy. Of course, uh, this is still maybe a. Um, we might still be on the windfall of Obama. I mean, let's not forget when he took over, it was a recession. He did get us out of a recession. Some people think it climbed too slow, but we were still on the uh, on the right path. Yeah. And you know, with the, the tax breaks now in February, people are going to start seeing a return. So I, I actually think the economy, Trump, the. The only re- if you would look at the economic numbers, and we're going to get to immigration here in a second. Uh-huh. Um, if you look at the economic numbers, you would think this president would be well above fifty percent. The fact that he isn't is solely a testament to his personality, his character. However, we're going to talk about the government shutdown going on right now. The only reason Donald Trump is getting away with all this name calling is because Congress is so inept, and they are, as they equated to them on Cavuto today, <laughs> they are the the discourse in Congress is on par with South Park, the characters in South Park. But unlike South Park, they're using real pe- real children's lives are on the line yes. when it comes to chip and when it comes to uh, DACA reform. That's why Congress is at 10%. So Trump is at 35%. He can dump all over Congress because he's still doing better than they are, <laughs> which is so sad. And I'm not trying to – but, uh, you know, we, we dump on Trump all the time. But when it comes to the economy, I, I do think he deserves a little bit of credit, as, as all presidents take and, and to some degree deserve. I mean, yes, he does deserve that, but I think he's going about it the wrong way. I mean, well, one yes. thing <laughs> – one thing, even as far as the economy and jobs go, because, like, first of all, let's look at something that I know you brought up a lot – infrastructure. Yes. You know, we, we – if you want jobs, if you want to give jobs to Americans, you invest in our infrastructure, sure. which is something that helps all of us. Like yeah. It's a wonderful plan that can mm-hmm. help every single right. American that lives here and drives on roads and yep. drives over bridges and so on and so forth. Yep. Like that, That's something that he could actually do to give people jobs, but that's not going to happen. And, well, you know, and furthermore, uh, concerning the economy, uh, I read this uh, report that was put out by the IMF. Mm-hmm. We're headed for another recession because yeah. we're in, we're starting to get into that whole... Uh, and they say this has been happening for 300 years.
100 years, right. we're getting into the whole deregulation. You know, mm-hmm. when you start deregulating the financial markets, mm-hmm. it's always followed by a recession. It's always followed yeah. by a huge crash. And then, of course, the next party comes in and re-regulates it. And right. then the next party comes in and deregulates it. The and that's where we're heading to. Right, We're heading sure. for a big crash. It's going to happen. And, of course, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, that is one of the reasons why people believe that it was a mistake to make the tax cuts on industry permanent. Obviously, the middle class tax cuts are not. So theoretically, 2027 does roll around and we might be uh, I mean, who? this is not we have not even remotely come close to controlling the deficit. No, I mean, we're at another trillion point five here. Uh, and, and so to your point and to that concern, that is totally reasonable and it's completely rational Short-term victories, however, we have the midterms, and we got 2020. So I think there's a lot of political thought short-term. And, of course, nothing as you just short-term said. short-term political yes, thought. Yes, nothing but short-term, <laughs> which also goes to the government shutdown, which is just kicking the can for another maybe four weeks yeah. uh, until we'll have another budget battle to see if the government can stay open. Meanwhile, all those uh, – Every congressman is getting paid. They did manage to find a way to constantly get their paycheck. Oh, yeah? Uh, disp- oh, yeah. The oh, military, good. people who fight for our wars, uh, they won't get it. People who fight in our wars, they won't get paid. Uh, Postal Service uh, members won't get paid. But the Congress, they'll get a paycheck. Good. Good, good, good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> but let's. we can talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about immigration markets. Yes. Because this is uh, – I was arguing uh, this – what's going on with Jeff Sessions. Sanctuary cities are under attack. ICE – Let's let's not be um, apologetic towards Barack Obama. He was nicknamed the deporter in chief for a reason. He deported more immigrants than any president in history. But now we're on Obama on steroids here. ICE is going after sanctuary cities. They're threatening to cut funding, specifically San Francisco, uh, Chicago, New York. Meanwhile, we're paying three hundred thousand bucks a day to house the family yeah. of Donald Trump. But you know that's fine. California, the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world, largest economy in the country. It's California, Texas, New York. Um, huge immigrant populations in all three of those states. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, what they're doing right now is absolutely, it's against states' rights, it's morally wrong, and it's economically crazy. We're spending $264 billion. That's what ICE is currently getting in funding and has for the past couple of years here. Uh, that's what they've spent on ice, rather, and uh, this is exactly what Donald or this is exactly what Donald Trump campaigned against. He campaigned for states' rights, and if California wants to have a sanctuary city or wants to allow San Francisco to be a sanctuary city, that is within their states' rights. But they argue federal law trumps it. All of a sudden, when it comes to marijuana and when it comes to immigration. Donald Trump, he fell in love with the idea of a strong federal government. Yes, of course. Don't and they all? Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> they absolutely do. And, and, you know, you've said it again and again. This is the prison planet. Right. Like, the, these, the ICE is the jackbooted stormtroopers that we've been scared of for yep. so many years. That's exactly what it is. There I was mean, a woman who got in trouble for calling them the Gestapo on MSNBC. Yeah. No, and I understand it's a little hyperbolic, but... Uh, you you tell me how these tactics, and I'm not I am not going to go that far because once you start equating Hitler or Stalin, like Jeff Flake equating Donald Trump to Stalin, <laughs> I'm like Stalin killed like millions and millions of people. Uh, Donald Trump is uh, only looking to kill tens of thousands. Of <laughs> um, to start, but to start. if you look at what they're doing, if you look at their practices, what they just did over the weekend that no one was freaking talking about because Donald Trump said the word shithole. Um, And we can talk about that in a second as well, which I understand the implications and things like that. But a bigger story to me that no one talked about, 17 states 
were raided. What was raided in those 17 states? The 7-Elevens. And they arrested 21 people. And because evidently, do you feel safer now that we have 21 immigrants detained and arrested, spending $75,000 a, a year, by the way, to house these people in California. It's $25,000 annually uh, in private prisons and most other states. Total waste of money. And this is not – the MS-13 gang – isn't doing they're not setting up the roller dog stand they're not slinging slurpees no. they're not selling ices that's not so uh, these people are tax paying can... americans exactly. like these, these are taxpayers yep. you know like they they're, they're it, it the, the entire sense. the and the entire thing like it's every day is just it becomes more and more mind boggling it, it becomes is. more baffling uh, as to why we're doing this as to why we're spending so much money as to why right. we're destroying families I mean, I mean of course why what what is the point of this what is the point you know and of course the big story that i'm actually glad is getting a lot of attention is uh, this man who was uh, deported back to mexico after being in america for 30 years mm-hmm. where was he in detroit uh, that you know is getting ripped away from his family and going back to a country that he hasn't known since he was 10 years old right. uh, and it, for no reason at all no for reason. no reason and this is a man that uh, it's again it's just like DACA he did everything right like right. he tried to become a citizen he tried the path of citizenship right you know and he unfortunately hired a shitty immigration lawyer right uh, and that shitty immigration lawyer did lapsed. not do it lapsed did not That's do it. her due diligence did not uh, put everything together the way she was supposed to and so ice came in they got this guy this why this guy this path to citizenship does not exist no and that is the problem with not getting through daca that is the problem with getting no rational immigration reform passed through the congress passed through the house and passed through the senate we need it so desperately right now the path to citizenship looks exactly like the field that people had to run through in rambo the cam- <laughs> the late the latest rambo yeah the cambodian field that was full of all the mines Mine, and stuff like that it's just a minefield a, yeah just a minefield there's no winning yeah. There's no way you can do it, and if you do make it, if you do happen to make it across the uh, to the end, they'll shoot you anyway. Yeah. So it um, figuratively, of course. Yeah. So uh, when we talk about uh, illegal immigration, and I'm so sick of this illegal alien term. Yeah. You know, can you imagine how small-minded you have to be? First of all, it's possible there's real aliens. <laughs> can you imagine, Mark? How small-minded you have to be to consider another human being who lives on the same continent as you as an alien? I, I, I hate the word, and um, I'm not being all like, oh, PC. Uh, you know, it's just it. Um, I don't care. It's it's not offensive. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was just somebody on Tucker Carlson's show, as a matter of fact, talking about the immigration flow of of um, of uh, Mexicans on the southern border coming through, and he was talking about how 60%, I forget what state it was, perhaps it was Texas, it's Hispanic, and he then, first of all, this guy's a Canadian that was talking, Uh, (laughs) so I'm like, get out of here. Um, But uh, he assumed or speculated that that means America has lost. Like, our border is now changed. The the southern border is eroding because we have non-white people uh, in that area. It's totally anti-American, it's unconstitutional, and it's just not how people should view the world no absolutely not so uh i I don't see any uh libertarian you know defense of what jeff sessions is doing if you look at as we mentioned on the last episode uh what he's doing with marijuana the eight billion dollar industry wanting to crack down on states none of those states attorneys uh the 29 states that have either legalized or decriminalized none of the ags in those states are bending whatsoever uh because they got a lot of money on the line and they would be ridiculously stupid uh, to give up a massive industry like legalized marijuana 
Nonetheless, Jeff Sessions wanted to end an $8 billion industry. Where does that go? Right back to the drug cartels. So we're talking we're going to fund the drug cartels. That's where all the danger comes. Increase the drug flow from the southern border uh, to the to the north uh, because that's exactly where the market's going to go. But what is all this equal to? Prisons. All of mm. this goes right back to prisons. Yep. Where does this money go to? This money goes back to private prisons. Loves them. <laughs> He loves them. Like, well, he's invested in them. The, he yeah. has a vested interest in private prisons. He, does. He, he is a man who makes his money on human misery. That's who these people are. They make their money on well, human misery. Yeah, Geo Group, Core Civic, those are the real horrible industries there. And Jeff Sessions, he has, I'm not going to give him a pass whatsoever. They're in his portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I guess he doesn't solely make his money off of that, but... If you if you're investing in Marcus and I are beginning to invest. Yes. Uh I'm I'm definitely Xing those two companies out. I, I don't want anything to do with benefiting off of uh, human misery, as Marcus just stated. You have to be ca- actually. You have to be careful when you invest. You do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You have to be very careful. Like you have to go through and like go line by line. It's like, yep, eh, that one's evil. Yep, eh, that, that one's evil. Yep. yep, that's bad. That's human misery. I want to invest in NASCAR. <laughs> I like nothing but happiness. Yes. You know what would be cool if the tied car was actually a pod? (laughs) That would be awesome. But yeah, and you say, oh, is everything being politicized? Well, you vote with your you vote with your wallet. So when it comes to economics and and, uh, in politics, there is certainly a uh, they are intertwining, certainly in this uh, oligarchic society that we live in. Yeah, I mean, you make a very good point there. I mean, we are in we are edging closer, if not fully in an oligarchy. Yeah. Uh, And if you combine business and politics if politics is business then yeah everything is going to be politicized that's the way it's going to go that's what you want it that's what people people say like why do you politicize everything you you voted donald trump into office well like you wanted a businessman as a president but let's not pretend they're both bought and sold both parties you look at big pharmaceuticals big pharmas giving them giving it to both sides a little bit more to republicans uh on the congress side but actually democrats are making more in the senate from pharmaceutical industry from the farming uh industry and that's why uh weed it's taken this long you make a good point so both sides are complicit and uh the question is it's your birthday what do you want to do tonight <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this and be like, but we're fine because we are fine. At the same time, we are going to be able to, uh, we'll, we'll get through all of this uh, that's going on. But let's talk about uh, this government shutdown. We don't know if it's going to happen, but it seems like it will because the Republicans need 60. Yeah. So they would need um, 11 uh, uh, Democratic votes. Or, yeah, I believe 11. Yes, 11 because there are some Republicans with the Freedom Caucus that aren't on board uh, with the budget that's trying to be passed. So we have the situation here. This is absolutely infuriating. Um, Nancy Pelosi called it a, a bowl of dog dew. And she is supposed to be the alternative to these Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is unbelievable. We have zero options. The Democratic leadership, I've, I've been watching Senate TV. No. It's actually very exciting because you, <laughs> you get to see these politicians present yeah. uh, in front of the Congress. They're horrible. Keith Ellison, his aide, fed him every single line. Nancy Pelosi, out of touch. Um, uh, of course, you, we we see the Republicans a little bit more, uh, so I don't really have to 
go into that. Jeff Flake, of course, really uh, demonizing Donald Trump, walking back his Stalin comments. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Flake is really just, he doesn't care anymore. He, he is completely out of fucks to give because he's not running for re-election. Yeah, but D- Jeff um, Flake doesn't do any, like, he doesn't, doesn't do anything. Do anything. He Rand just, he, just these, yeah. he just talks and he doesn't, he still votes with uh, everything that Trump wants the entire time anyway. And like, Rand it's Paul, all fucking lip service. Yep, and Rand Paul is the exact same way, which yeah. is why that guy is so dead to me, the Roy Moore the support of Roy Moore, he's dead to me. Yeah. Like, I'm like Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank. <laughs> You're dead to me. That's fun. Uh, so what's going on here is so sad and so disgusting and why Americans hate politics. They are – the Republicans have chip on the line. That's 9 million kids. This is a health insurance program for 9 million kids. But they don't put DACA in it. So the Republican, so the Democrats say, oh, we want DACA. And chip in there. So basically, they're playing poker with human beings' lives. And this should never come to a point where we're at right now where we have 800,000 kids not feeling, or now perhaps adults, uh, not being able to sleep at night. And we have also in the crosshairs 9 million children who need health insurance. Both sides are complicit in the dysfunction. And if the Republican Party... Uh, and if you look at uh, if you look at the '90s when the last or the last government shutdown was 2013, but in the '90s there were a lot of uh, government shutdowns. Bill Clinton skated the Republican Party. They they're they're the ones who took the hit. In this case, I think it'll be the inverse because if you look at the Democrats, 2018 these midterms are coming up. They better have an accomplishment and DACA. I think would be a great accomplishment. Yeah. You know, I, I can't talk enough about how we need to protect uh, those 800,000 and we need to expand our immigration and the path to citizenship even more because that's reasonable and rational. They're working at 7-Eleven. I love 7-Eleven. Yeah, we all do. Oh, although I'll, I'll tell you, these these uh, chips, have you seen those um, the Dorito chips with cheese in them that they're selling? No. They're killing us. <laughs> uh, it, it's like it's like, a, it's like the thing uh-huh. is less like scientifically crazy. Uh, of course, John Carpenter's a thing. Oh, a don't even film. get me started on food scientists. Oh, God. What a, whole, what a strange job that must be. <laughs> uh, there, Stan Lee needs to create a uh, superhero that was a food scientist that just turns into a really bizarre, dusty... That was, like, Cl- that was Clark Griswold job oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh what a great uh, clark griswold great family man great family great good family man yeah. that's right well unlike the jelly of the month club people are getting a thousand dollars back uh in their paychecks because of this tax plan for mm. now um so uh the the democratic party i, I think will end up taking it, it's hard to say who's going to take the biggest hit i think they're both they're both going to be uh demonized because they're both ridiculous juvenile um, and unprofessional, and they're not doing their job. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, I don't think, is going to be the one who is on the uh, in the crosshairs here. I really don't, because the American people are going to say, "You got you. You have a job, Congress. Mm-hmm. Do it. You you control the purse. Figure it out." And if the Democrats aren't able to, um, if they're if they continue to use the very little leverage they have, this is a rare occasion where they do have leverage. Of course, they need they need to get to sixty. If they don't end up getting any immigration reform, they shut down the government, and at some point someone's going to have to give. Mm-hmm. Let's just say they do give. DACA is no longer uh, um, you know, on the table. They go into 2018 with absolutely nothing. However, a lot of people are also saying that uh, DACA, if they do end up shutting down the government, DACA at some point does have to be addressed. So the Democrats are hedging their bets that uh, if the government shut down for a week or two weeks, the Republicans will say, fine, 
Here's your DACA. Yeah, which I'm I'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen. It's possible. I mean, but if the Democrats go in, I mean, they're going to be hit with the double whammy because next year and that like it, it, you well, can't year. say or uh, yeah, this actually yeah, yeah this it's, year. I'm telling you, it, it's it, no, it's, full it's, swing. It's, it's January. It's 2018. Jesus. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this year I uh, just got so used to saying next year, but this year um, the Democrats are going to be faced with those tax cuts because yep. I mean that that tax plan was such. A poli- short-term political Absolutely. move. I mean, Absolutely. it's gonna it's gonna fuck us up so hard in the years to come. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a it was a political move because yeah. the Republicans knew that people were gonna get those tax cuts. They were gonna start seeing the benefit of those tax cuts, not necessarily around election time, but definitely before election yeah, time. Yeah, February. Those tax cuts are still gonna be in people's minds yep. when the polls cut when they start going to the polls. Yep. Uh, uh, but they again, it's party over country. That's what they did. Is that they they fucked over America so they could stay in power, and why? So, well, like that's that's what that's what you. I gotta, think the middle class tax cut was good. I, the, I don't think they had to go down to twenty one percent with the corporate tax cut. I think that was too much, and making them permanent again, I think, well, is too much. But that course. that's but that's how people, Marcus. We can't. I'm not going to judge someone if they get an extra thousand bucks. For a lot of people, that is like a I know huge it is. Amount of money. I know it is. That's what's fucking terrible you know? about it. Like it's, that's well, that's what's so cynical about it. That's what's so uh, well, evil about. It. It's sinister because that's what they're doing is that they're that's what they're doing to stay in power is they're giving people just a little bit, you know, like, oh, okay. oh, you want a thousand dollars? Is that really all you want? Well, well go ahead and have no, it. But that's, no, I think but, that that's a little bit. Uh, I think that's a little. Um, I mean, but that's a thing. little elitist, they, I think. No, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. I know that's exactly. You're misunderstanding me completely. Okay. You're absolutely misunderstanding me completely. Uh, is that that's what I'm saying? Is that these people that uh, are essentially working for the corporations, they didn't do that fucking middle class tax cut for the middle class. Right. They did not do this tax cut for the middle class at. All, but if, they know that a thousand dollars is very important to most Americans, to right. a ton of Americans. Yeah. They know that a thousand dollars makes or breaks them. That is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But they also, but they're they making all, a lot of money. <laughs> but they they're making, making a lot of money. But they're making a ton of money, yes. and they're making it at the expense of Americans. Those people that get that thousand right. dollar tax cut, uh, they need that tax cut. But they also don't necessarily but they can't think about the long run because right. the every that's well, you what, can't. that's the way America is built now that's the way America has that's been made point. for the middle class and for the low and, and for the lower class is that yeah. we cannot be long-term thinkers anymore because right. everyone's working two jobs and that goes right back to the government shutdown as well and taking got, the can another four for another four weeks until we have the same situation again exactly yeah. everything is short term now in this short term yeah. thinking all of this short term shit that they've instilled in us that that we have to live this way mm. we we absolutely have to live this right. paycheck to paycheck yep. lifestyle, this short term, right. uh, this short term thinking lifestyle mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. It down the line, the fucking chickens are going to come home to roost. Well, I, you know what's, what's funny. Uh, first of all, I, I, I understand your point, and I don't disagree with it uh, wholeheartedly. Um, we live in a we live in a in a throwaway society. Everything I, I got two plastic cups in front of me that theoretically I could take home and clean, and I could use again, I, you know. But I won't. Yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, um, and that's a, and that's an issue for myself. I have to figure it out. And so I agree. A lot of short-term thinking, not a lot of long-term strategizing. And I'm as a not- matter of fact, General Mad Dog Mattis, uh, which you know, it's weird when a country is uh, the rational voice is nicknamed Mad Dog, <laughs> um, but that's what it is. Mad Dog Mattis has said that exact same thing. 
from the perspective of the military. Yeah. Where he's like, our mil- our men and women are dying overseas, are protecting us theoretically overseas, doing doing what we ask them to do in our best interests, and they don't know if they're going to be getting a paycheck or not because Congress is so inept. Yeah. And that's a good point. And, of course, we also have the situation Walmart controls 22% of this country, 22% of the states, or 22 states, rather. Um, their number one industry is Walmart. The in, the number one industry is Walmart. They just gave them a thousand dollars and they, they raised the minimum wage to eleven bucks. But the problem with this is, well, not really the problem, but really the fact is, they're going to spend that thousand dollars at Walmart. Yeah, and uh, eleven dollars. It's still a wage that requires you to shop at places like Walmart, yeah. Sam's Club. You well, still they, can't well, uh, go the to the same mom time. And pop they shop. shut down tons of Sam's Clubs. Did they really? Yeah. You didn't hear about that? They, why would they shut down Sam's? No, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, at the same time I'm that livid. they at the same time that they gave that raise to their Walmart employees, uh-huh. they shut down a ton of Sam's clubs and got rid of a ton of jobs. Well, you know what? At the exact same time, that might be healthy. <laughs> that actually, we don't need big trampolines and huge jars of mayonnaise. Oh, but I love the trampoline I section know, at Sam's yeah. Club. <laughs> Well, I had not heard uh, about that, but yeah. yeah. So you know, so you're right. It is like um, it is nice on its face, but there is always a benefit. But the question is, if both sides are benefiting, is it? Is it? Was this a moral decision? No, this was an economic decision, and they're going to no. get a little bit of a windfall for the middle class and uh, and be- below. But uh, again, yes, the corporations are the ones who will be making money forever on account that this is a permanent tax cut. Yeah, and I'm not criticizing uh, people for short-term thinking, especially when it they comes no to finance. As you they, said. they have no choice. They have absolutely no choice because I think that's one thing that uh, a lot of people forget when they talk about politics in this country uh, is they forget like people like, well, why can't you pay attention? Why aren't you paying attention to all this? You know, and because they can't. You know, oh, they're, that, working. They, they, they're working. Yeah. You know, that they're and it's working. It's also infuriating. Yeah. It's because <laughs> unlike, you know, we have a, we have our little microphones here. We get to talk to people. We get to express ourselves. There are so many people who just feel completely voiceless. Yeah. Because they are. Yeah, because no one cares about them. No one cares about um, it. And, and, yeah. and to sit and listen to the types of things that go on in politics and the types of things that our politicians say. You know, I, I couldn't imagine working 80 hours a week or 60 hours a week yep. and then saying like, well, why don't I go get pissed off at the news for a well, little while? Why don't while? I just go get lied to by a, by a senator or a congressman yeah. or, or a woman uh, as they give town halls sporadically once every year or two years when you finally see their faces? Uh, they look so much more. They look at the face of so many uh, of, of so many lobbyists, and they never look the fa- at the face of their constituents because if they did look at their constituents, they'd see a lot of angry eyes out there. Yeah, and you know I, they made this short-term lifestyle on purpose. Like, this was something that was engineered. This was not an accident that mm. Americans, that so many Americans ended up living this way. Is that if you keep us busy, then we can't pay attention to all the sneaky shit that they're doing. Or even now, like, now they're not even doing the sneaky shit behind closed doors. They're yeah. doing it way out in the open. And people are too busy. People are too exhausted to deal with a lot of this shit, to really think about and to really... Uh, spend time yeah. on these issues. But, and know, I understand there it. are. But Marcus, we have to remember as well, there are a lot of people that like what's going on. There, there are. are a lot of people who believe this crackdown, this immigration crackdown. They they buy into this total lie that immigrants are taking our jobs, that they're eroding our society uh, morally. I, they they like it. So, even, so there are a lot of people that follow it. 
uh, that, that think that everything is headed in the right direction. Donald Trump is making America great again. He's following through on all of his promises. Uh, Congress is the one who is uh, trying to interrupt his success. And, of course, the Mueller investigation, all this kind of stuff, which we have, we'll have to wait and see what's going on with that. But as a matter of fact, we can go to that for a second. Um, so there are, so people who are following, let's not forget, there is a population out there, a huge, millions and millions of people. Millions of people. Who, who think everything is headed in the right direction. Um, I mean, I, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I never know what to say about that. You know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, doing Fox News Radio, I get the phone calls from these people, and it's interesting because I had a phone call from one guy who was so pro legal weed, but then he also wants the wall, and so you, it, that's an interesting like juxtaposition um, where not everything, is, not everything is black and white. I know shocking news, mm-hmm. and and people's, um, you know, people's political ideology and their thoughts are unique to them. And so you hear a lot of that stuff. So it's it's complicated, as Donald Trump said. It's it's harder than he thought, and it's complicated. <laughs> so uh, and I don't want to demonize a lot of those people too, because I think some of them are uh, somewhat misinformed. Specifically, if we talk about the shithole country thing, right? Yeah, talking about uh, immigrants that are coming uh, from Africa and uh, and uh, Nigeria. If you actually look at the statistical data of the immigrants that come there. They have higher percentage of uh, they are they're, they are one of the highest um, percentage groups when it comes to immigrants with college degrees, uh, when it comes to people with um, you know very significant high uh, higher degrees of education. So all of that stuff is just a complete lie. And once you is. talk to them and you say, "But this is the data," hopefully you can try to change their mind a little bit. But if they just take things at face value, which so oftentimes they do, um, then everything is going great. Well, I think what. Donald Trump has done uh, is he's making, you know, of course, politics has always been somewhat entertainment, but I've noticed yeah. this a lot, uh, a lot more recently. It's like, you know, when I'm at home, you know, I work from home now. And so when I do like, you know, breakfast or like lunch breaks or anything like that, like I'll just throw on like network TV. Yeah. Just like I don't have cable, but I got my little antenna. I and love I still it. got plenty of channels. Rabbit ears. Yeah, I <laughs> got my rabbit ears. I like watching my buzzer, mm-hmm. like watching my uh, family feud in the mornings. Sure. Uh, but I'll watch some of these shows. And the way they talk about politicians now is the same way that they talk about Beyonce. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's very strange. Like, the government shutdown is coming. What does it mean for you? And Beyonce, what is her new album going to be? Yeah. It's the exact same well, tone. It's the, t- exact, yeah. it's, the exact same, it's the exact same tone, and it's mm-hmm. treated with the exact same weight. Exactly. They, well, we've talked about that for years on this show. Yeah. It's, 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 but now it's melding of the mind. It's gotten so much worse now. Because, sure. it's a, because when we talked about it, we, we usually talked about it in the context of like cable news but now this is networked this is network tv right like this is this is daytime talk shows uh this isn't you know this is beyond like this is now it's fully mainstream it's absolutely fully mainstream and the mm. way that donald trump talks on twitter the way he's just throwing these tantrums like the way if you look at his uh tweets over the last few days about the government shutdown he's just essentially he's throwing a tantrum and he's saying the same yeah. thing over and over and over again and what he's doing is he's simplifying the presidency the way you were talking sure. the what you just said is that like oh this is a lot more complicated than i thought but that's the thing is that he's not changing for the job he is, he is changing not. the job. Yes, like it, he's what he's know, doing is he he is yes. trying his hardest. Right. He is making the job lazy, it's just very like he is. Like he's make, he's simplifying the job, and I think people are responding to that. It is absolutely fascinating, Donald Trump. I will say this: 
he hasn't changed. Uh, <laughs> you know, oftentimes they always say the presidency changes a person. Donald Trump's uh, fragile ego is mm. so strong yeah. <laughs> uh, that it is, uh, it is actually, what as Marcus just said. I've been doing things like this forever. Just keep them going. Right. So we have the situation. And let's not forget to mention uh, Dr. Randa Jackson. Ugh. We have to talk about the the uh, the health thing in a second. But going back to uh, what you're referring to as far as Twitter, Sloppy Steve, <laughs> uh, which is my favorite. Sloppy Steve. Everyone Ugh. wants to think about him slurping down oatmeal or whatever the hell that. Oh, what about Dickie Durbin? Well, that's just kind of an extension of the <laughs> name uh, that was, for me i don't know why for me that was the worst one well, it's just like, lazy because it, well it's lazy and it's so it's i mean that's schoolyard shit like that uh, is yeah. full-on schoolyard like that is that, oh yeah that's even beyond sloppy steve you know yes. like that that's just do you just call him dicky dicky that's it? durbin you just, you just call him dicky Dick, durbin dicky durbin, yeah. durbin oh absolutely like, it, it, it's that's that is i mean that's like kindergarten shit Yep. At least Sloppy Steve, that's like third grade. Yeah, advanced. <laughs> well, you know, going back again to uh, to the 10% approval rating of Congress. You know, yeah. people love to see these people, op- or some people like to see uh, these folks openly mocked. But uh, just just briefly, uh, with Bannon, he gave 12 hours of, uh, of testimony to the Senate Intelligence Committee. He, however, constantly invoked executive privilege. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of information from that meeting. It's also a closed door meeting. So whatever we, uh, would, whatever we got was basically kind of leaked out of there. Adam Schiff being in charge of it. I believe Adam Schiff is in, hard, uh, in charge of it. Devin Nunes might have something to do with it as well. Um, but he has two more subpoenas to testify, and they're attempting to get it where he cannot invoke executive privilege. It's very kind of strange for him to do it mm-hmm. because a lot of the questions happen before Donald Trump was elected, and then afterwards, can he, being you know chief of staff or number one advisor, he's not chief of staff, that's obviously John Kelly, but um, being a uh, top advisor to Donald Trump, can he invoke executive privilege with that title? I mean, are these, he did. Are these laws even written? Well, they have to... Uh, they, it's a like is massive. There, is there gray a precedent area. for this? Uh, no, it's unprecedented. What yeah. he, what he, invo- for him to invoke uh, executive privilege has not been done in the capacity that he's doing it. Okay. So we don't know. Uh, hence the two more subpoenas. So the Mueller, uh, Mueller will actually be uh, interviewing him, his whole crew, and he'll go back and speak to the Senate Intelligence Committee once again. We'll see if he's going to be able to uh, continue on with this executive privilege excuse for not answering the questions. But that's what that is, and he'll be testifying here coming up uh, pretty soon, as long uh, as well as Hope Hicks, uh, 29 years old, very success. I mean, 29 years old, she has a lot of power. Yeah. It's, it's quite amazing. Uh, very close to the president, uh, communications director, I believe. So um, she'll be testifying as well. So we'll follow that as it, as it comes out. It's just drip, drip, drip with this Russian investigation. And I think all of Americans feel like we're getting tortured here because it's so difficult to get answers. Every time they go in front, it's Jeff Sessions the same way. Every time these these people go in front of uh, the committee, they just you know plead the fifth, or in this case, executive privilege, and we get zero information out of it. That's why we haven't really covered it a whole lot because there isn't a whole we lot to cover. You know, we just don't know. It's all theater, by the way, too. Cory Booker yelling at the DHS secretary, what's her name, Kirsten Nielsen. For he yelled at her for ten minutes. He didn't let her speak. Mm-hmm. What is the point of this? Yeah. It's just such posturing BS. And again. No story whatsoever about the raids in 17 states at 7-Elevens were arresting the worst of the worst. Uh, They're the ones who got jobs and wear name tags. Yeah. So uh, that's where we're at with that. Let's go on to a little bit more fun of a subject. Fat! (laughs) 
It's Donald Trump. How fat is he? I love this movement, Marcus. Have you heard this? The girthers? I do. Uh, yes, I have heard of girthers. Yes. <laughs> Obviously a joke about Donald Trump and his birtherism, which was what catapulted him to the national stage when it came to politics, if you want to know, uh, which is a horrible <laughs> reason to become <laughs> famous in the world of politics. The girthers don't believe Randy Jackson. Just a little bit of a background uh, on him. 2013, that's when he became the White House doctor. Mm-hmm. So he worked with Obama. It's a bipartisan uh, job. Yeah. And the a lot of people is, in the Obama White House are coming out and say, like, look, he's a stand-up guy. Yeah. Like, just say, I think even like Axelrod came out and be like, yeah, he was always he was always great. Like, However, was- what is different? Uh, Obama didn't make someone give a one-hour press conference about how <laughs> healthy he was. That's the difference. So Randy Jackson is up there, and someone is like, how does the guy who eats Big Macs every day, Diet Cokes every day, doesn't exercise, although I guess golf is an exercise. He's just walking around. He's walking around. Uh, <laughs> how fine. is he only 239 pounds, and how did he gain an inch? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so bizarre because he's six two on his res- uh, on his um, on his card for the military in the, before he how he dipped out of the war. With, his with his driver's course. license from just a couple years ago says six two. So he got to be an inch taller, and he's two hundred and thirty nine pounds, which is just one pound under what would make him obese, uh-huh. and that's what makes people be like, hmm. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> But uh, the idea that somehow the White House doctor would be lying about it, I don't. I don't really give much credit, but I think it's very funny. <laughs> that's that's my position on yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It is very funny. There's, you know, what? Okay, it, there's this. There, there's the fat thing. There's, you know, there's the shithole thing. Yeah. There's the porn star thing. Oh, we didn't uh, even get to that like, yet. All of this stuff, like all together, and like that's. I was thinking about this. Uh, last mm-hmm. night, you know, and I'm also like thinking about, like, you know, and I saw this video this morning uh, where there was a VR chat room and, and this is fascinating stuff. Yeah, it was uh, there were it was a VR chat room and someone had taken a video of it. And one of the guys in, that was in the VR chat while he had his VR on, he started having a seizure. And really? so, yeah, so his avatar, his VR avatar was actually having a seizure and there were all everyone it's like in the lawnmower ch- man. Get him out of there. dude. Everyone in the chat room came and. And, you know, surrounded him and tried talking him through it and saying, like, what are we going to do? Sat around until he was okay. And then when he uh, regained consciousness, they were like, all right, you need to go to a hospital. You need to stop doing the VR for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was amazing. It was the future. Capital yeah. F, capital T, capital F, the future. Uh, but then I started thinking about the things we're talking about, like in our in our government. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about how fat the president is. Oh, yeah. We're talking about how the president slept with a porn star. Yep. We're talking about the intimate details of the president sleeping with a porn star. Yep. We're the, the, the president is calling other countries shitholes in yep. meetings with other talking senators. Talking about his button's bigger than the other, than, talking than about Kim Jong-un's button. You know, and this may mm. sound weird coming from me considering how we all do like the last podcast network mm-hmm. and all that but you know and this may sound like a little uh you know like whatever but i didn't expect the future to be so crude like it's kind of disappointing well, cru- <laughs> i think i think crudeness and stupidity go hand in hand yeah uh absolutely and you know it's interesting you meant you mentioned the weight issue we would not be- can you imagine if any other president other than Donald Trump was there and were Hillary Clinton, if she would have won and someone uttered a word about her weight, yeah. it would be the most sexist thing that's ever happened. Now, granted, Donald Trump has created a world 
where making fun of mocking his weight or mocking his sexual prowess is fair game because he also, as you mentioned, Dickie Durbin, Sloppy Steve. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, all uh, the comments you know, that he's whatever. made over the year uh, about Rosie the, O'Donnell. Oh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Megan Kelly. Yeah. Exactly. And the girl, uh, the contestant. Remember the uh, yes. The, yeah, the Miss Universe contestant. Who was too you know? fat? Too fat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He has created that. Yes. Uh, but we're attacking. You know, everyone's attacking. You know, hitting back at him. But that's a symptom. That's a crudeness. You it know, is. where we're talking about. It is. We're talking. We're saying this we're, we're talking about this like this is the president of and the we, united states and you do want to be careful not to become the person or the thing that you despise and yes. I, and i do think we have to be very careful and that's a great point when we're sitting here laughing about somebody's weight or physical appearance despite what a horrible um example that individual might be setting do you want to be one? Do you want to go down the road with them? Yeah. And that's what people like Donald Trump, that's what Bannon does as well. That's what that brand of politics does. It drags all the pigs to the to the, uh, to the the mud, but you can't uh, – what's the old adage? You never wrestle a pig in mud because they're happy as hell to be there or some crap like that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's something like that. But Donald Trump loves the low discourse. He loves the South Park world that we're living in. Yeah. That's where he shines. That's where he's king. And that's where he's not – he doesn't appear to be as ignorant or as stupid. I don't want to say stupid. I want to say, we'll say crude, like you just said. Yeah. He doesn't appear to be as crude as he is because everyone else is going down there with him. Yeah. So everyone at the party is drunk. And if everyone's drunk, you can't tell, uh, you know, if, if there's no sober person at the party, you can't tell who's drunk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, you know, and I'm not, of course I'm not any kind of like prude or anything. Like this. Oh, we need to prude. Re- we need to remove crudeness from society. Oh, it's different, though. It's, it's, it's the presidency of the United it's States. I still want to honor our. I like uh, our, our, the institution of government. I'm a weirdo like that. I want it to be cool. I love the. I, I love the prestige of government. I yeah. really, Mr. Smith going to Washington. It's like uh, I. I like. The idea of having like statesmen, yeah, I love that. We I, don't have any. No, we don't, we, we don't have it anymore. Like I love it. I even love watching uh, like Nixon speeches. Sure, because well, Nixon was a hell of a statesman. I mean, he and was a son of a bitch. Nixon, he, Nixon resigned. <laughs> you know, so it's like he. Yeah. And if you look at what Watergate is compared to all this stuff, yeah. Oh my! It, water. They broke into a hotel room and tried to steal tangible paper. You know, it's well, like it was the cover up, of course. Of course, it was the cover up. But, uh, oh but, but that's yeah, that's such small anyway. fries. And like and like Lyndon Johnson, you know, he also like I mean, but he now, was, to be fair, Lyndon Johnson would whip out his dong and publicly urinate in front of the press corps. <laughs> so it is. It, it, it is also. It's also an issue about it. The, well, what is different? Is it the coverage? Yeah. Right? Now that we have, like, everything is covered, every, every single thing that Donald Trump uh, says from, you know, whatever, all these politicians, the way that the media covers this, the way they cover politics, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC is so abhorrent. I was watching MSNBC on YouTube, and nothing, even MS, like, there is no, it's it's all just such juvenile nonsense. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, anyway, so that's, that is, to your point, Marcus, where we are, and I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, it's not, if, if this was, if you woke up in a coma and it's 2020 and it's Oprah versus Donald Trump, you'd be like, so where's the real president? <laughs> like, where, where's the real presidential race? This yeah. is so cartoonish and so outlandish. And as you said earlier, it's because we're mixing the, we're just mixing reality television with reality and what's, what's uh, actually 
um, you know, what, what it means to be president is just so it's just been lost in translation. It's not the way it's supposed to be. This it's is really it. not. This is not this is not the way it was supposed to go. Uh, and hopefully we can write the ship. But we should talk a little bit about this Stormy Daniels thing, as you just mentioned. You know, what's so interesting is the religious right, the people who catapulted Donald Trump to the presidency, Jerry Falwell Jr., all of these total schmucks. James Dobson. Uh, I Joel watched Osteen. Pat, Joel Osteen. Pat Robertson, by the way. I don't think he's alive, <laughs> but he's still on TV. It, it, just click on the 700 Club if you get a chance. Yeah, uh, It is fascinating to see that guy. Yeah. I, I really... I actually um, love it, watching if, his weird ass diatribes. Sometimes, but then sometimes he he go. Sometimes he, he was like pro socialist in a recent clip. It was very <laughs> weird. It was very strange. He's 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 an interesting guy. Um, those people would be freaking out if this would be Lose this would minds. they would get another Ken Star. They would get. I mean, granted, what Bill Clinton did happened during his reign in the White House, yeah. uh, and it was horrible what happened to Monica Lewinsky, um, but. This would be fodder. Fox News would be covering this as if he was the worst human being on earth. But because the Democrats have no moral high ground on the issue, and because the Republican Party has their boy in office, it's kind of just a funny side story. It is a funny... I mean, that's- you know, and that's really weird. Because without the religious right going after someone like this, which is what they're... If, if you're going to be part of the religious right, at least stick to your guns on the issue of infidelity. Yeah, yeah. it's not even that he slept with a porn star. Whatever. Okay, so it was a porn star. The real issue, if you want to talk family values, the real issue is he did this while his wife was at home with their four-month-old infant. Not to mention, if you want to talk about... Five Financial uh, issues, one hundred and thirty thousand bucks. Yeah, uh, that's what she most likely did get paid. There was an NDA, obviously, and that's why she said, "Oh, I didn't get paid one hundred and thirty thousand dollars." But then she did mention she did uh, um, admit to having sex with him. She cannot legally admit to taking the money. Yeah, because that's the whole point of an NDA. So, uh, without a doubt, in my personal opinion, they paid her off. I'm sure he sat down with Roger Stone. Maybe, uh, maybe. Um, uh, Manafort, whoever else, whatever else was in the room, and they're like, "Who do you, who'd you uh, bone this month, or who'd you, who'd you, who are you banging this year, Donald? We got to yeah. know, and we have to know who to pay off and who to pay, uh, you know, get the cash to, so they can keep their mouths shut." And then, you know, they missed like eighteen chicks, but uh, <laughs> who were able to come forward in two thousand and sixteen? But yeah, I mean, it's 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 fascinating that that is a B side. Yeah, that, that's just a, it's a side story. It's a, mm-hmm. it's nothing. It's it's something for liberals to chuckle at, and they're like, "Oh, look at this!" And it's something. It's another way to point out his hypocrisy. But sure. that's it. But I knew as soon as I saw it, the first thing I thought was like, "Oh, well, they're just gonna say she's lying." You know, like, "Oh, you can't trust a porn star." And that's what. No, they're not saying that though. The they're it's no. The, I think the left believes her, and I think the right believes her, and I think the my understanding is I interviewed like even Kate, the religious right is believing. I interviewed her? this woman. Uh, it was it's on the last episode. That's what I figured. Of, what the religious right would say. I interviewed Kaylee McEnany, who uh, who is very religious, and she's a huge Trump supporter. She was the one. She was always the one in 2016 on the CNN panels. It was seven against one, and uh, you know she did her best to defend the guy, and it was interesting because she really does believe that he had a soul change uh, during the election. And she's like, I saw him. That's and what now, they what, do. what is the BS level on this? I, I, you can be the judge. You can go back and listen to the last episode and listen to the interview. Um, but that's what she says. You know, that's what the religious right says. They say he had a change of heart. You look at abortion. Marla Maples gets pregnant with Tiffany. Immediately asks, what are we going to do? You know, assuming or at least 
heavily entertaining the idea that she should go get an abortion. Now, well, now he's extremely pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where the religious right, that's where they're that's rationalizing. How they, that's how they dance around Forgiveness. It. They, they they forgive him and they believe that he's asked for forgiveness and and that's that their story and they're sticking to it. I yeah. desperately try to be like, is there anything he has done that you're upset about? <laughs> anything at all? Yeah. And they nothing. So it's gonna have to happen in office. Whatever happens is gonna have to happen in office for those people. I don't think the sex scandal is taking down this administration. I don't think there's any sex happening yeah. anymore. No, and, and that and the religious right. It's not just Donald Trump that do it. Did you see that video of the youth pastor that went in front of his congregation? He went in front mm. of a congregation. He admitted to having an illicit sexual relationship with a minor, and you know what they did? Standing ovation. Well, you know that's that is a that's an old that's that's evangelicals, man. Forgiveness is very big. Uh, in yeah, because their, in their they, so they can just be shitty people and do whatever they want to, and then say like, "Oh, but I got forgiven," and then it's fine. Well, they they need to see social. They need to see change in act uh, in action. Which again, I don't see the change in Donald Trump's actions, um, specifically when it comes to you know again his rhetoric and just how. Um, horrible he treats human beings it yeah. seems um, but yeah that's that's just what it is yeah, I, I, I don't know I really I mean I grew up in the uh, in the community uh, but I, I, I've never really fo- firmly wrapped my head around it you know I was talking to um, the person who actually defended Roy Moore at a wedding um, not at a wedding. I was talking to the person who defended Roy Moore in the Ten Commandment case at a wedding. That'd be weird and if he was defending Roy Moore just at a wedding, just randomly. <laughs> but he kind of was actually. <laughs> and uh, and you know he was telling me he's a very evangelical guy, and he's just telling me like if you steal, it's a sin. What's the difference between stealing and murder? And I'm like, T- tell that to the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer. Like tell that to the yeah. victims of of people who actually die. It, you know, it's like they they think it's bigger. Yeah. Then then <laughs> if Jeffrey Dahmer was a klepto, we wouldn't have him as uh, a three part or on last yeah. podcast or yeah. two part or whatever. Yeah. There's a reason you why know? you get parole. There's a reason why you get so, probation versus life in prison. Yep. Yeah, but in in their minds, they kind of just equate all sin as is one large thing and. Uh, how very it's, it's fucking Im- convenient. Well, yeah, and, and it's impossible to argue against because it's uh, it's faith. And yeah, it's, it's religion. Faith. It's, and, it's, uh, so you can't rationalize yeah. with it. And, it's, uh, it's belief. And this is what it is. Yeah, and the other half of Trump supporters, uh, just there are, they think it's great. Like, <laughs> yeah, you fucked. Well, up, yeah, then you, of course you fucked you, a porn star. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. bro. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah, oh like you're telling me that you would, well, if you had a honestly, porn star come you, you wouldn't fuck her. Like, you know what? Do great. I'm not. I'm not saying that Donald Trump is a dictator, uh, but what do great dictators do? They they live lives that others want. Yeah. They Vladimir Putin riding a shark. Yeah. You know whatever. <laughs> you know Vladimir Putin literally having um having uh old uh pots planted in the ocean so when he goes diving he can come out with them. Mm. You know that's and people look in Russia say oh my god look at that guy. Yeah. I I want to be like that. If you can't be him you can live vicariously through him. Yeah. And uh, and that's what you're talking about there when you mention a billionaire having sex with porn stars dating a model at the same time or yeah. married to a model at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's just at the golf thinking. course that he owns, the yeah. country club that he owns. And, and meanwhile, a lot of those guys are either going home to families, uh, a wife that maybe not don't like him too much, and kids who don't care about him, or maybe they're divorced and hang out at a bar and talking to a bunch of other dudes, and, or they're alone, or they're just completely alone. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it is and, what it is. Yeah, and he's not he's not a dictator, but God, you know, like Jeff Flake saying that he used he's using like Stalinistic tactics, like. It's not that far off. Well, it's interesting. You know, the way he's talking about like the the, the whole media. like the fake news awards and yep. that type of shit, you know, like and just 
straight up lying about th- about shit to, to people's well, faces. What, what interests me about the fake news awards is how is it possible? Yeah. And I think that media has played a, uh, a role in allowing the idea that they use uh, false information and that they have uh, political leanings that cloud their uh, rational judgment. I think media has opened the door for accusations like this because they haven't given both sides. Again, they don't cover so many uh, stories that need to be covered. Instead, they stick on the superficial and they stick on, uh, you know, the things that get get a fun, so you can have a fun little Chiron. And if you need proof, just watch a speech that a, that a person gives or watch a debate, for example, a presidential debate. You have your opinion. And then as soon as you go to MSNBC, Fox, RT, uh, CNN, you'll just start hearing people talk like it was an alternative universe that you just witnessed. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you'll have your own opinion, then all of a sudden they go to the talking heads, and everyone is just, they just lie. Yeah. And so I think the media, it's not their fault necessarily, but he is, the reason that is working for Donald Trump is obviously because a lot of people believe it to be true. Yeah. And, and media needs to do a better job of fact-checking and getting the story straight. And I think that... The newspapers, I think they have. If you look at the Washington Post, I think New York Times is, is still doing some very solid reporting. Mm-hmm. The Washington uh, Post is doing some great reporting. When Donald Trump talks about the news media, he's just talking about television news. Yeah, he's talking about the cable network. Which, which is not news. No. It's entertainment. I mean, I'm quite good at it. Um, <laughs> You're very good at but it. it is, yeah. But it's you know, classified as entertainment. I am a talking head. I have a perspective, and no way I should be one thing that you listen to be like, oh, okay, I agree with that, disagree with that. Let's look into it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't look into it. No. And that's the problem. Do not. Um, anything else here that well, happened? We didn't really talk about shithole too much. Yeah. Uh, what I mean. What do you say? My thoughts are uh, the media, CNN said shithole about uh, 15,000 times. <laughs> uh, they really enjoyed that. Um, I think it was, uh, the interesting thing is it was a bipartisan, it was uh, three Republicans, three Democrats, uh, Dick Durbin being uh, the head Democrat, Lindsey Graham being one of the main Republicans, Tom Cotton was also there at Arkansas. They worked six months on this proposal, and Donald Trump completely derailed, this is the immigration debate, completely derailed it, or the conversation was completely derailed by the news media attaching to this Really entertaining shithole comment. I understand the racial understanding. I get it. First of all, people from Norway, where Donald Trump was like, why don't we get people from Norway, are the most one of the more politically correct countries in the world. Yeah. They would hate Donald Trump and everything that he says. <laughs> they do hate Donald uh, Trump. They do everything. hate Donald Trump. So, And I yeah. don't want Norwegians here. And by the way, uh, more Americans immigrate to Norway than Norwegians to America. Why would they leave? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. so uh, but, but the thing that, that bothers me is that we're not actually talking about uh, what Republicans refer to as chain migration. Democrats call it family reunification. We're not talking about uh, doing away with the lottery system and going to more of a merit-based approach, which is bipartisan. We're not talking about DACA. and we're, Well, we're talking a little bit about DACA in the context of the shutdown, but not in the actual context of immigration. And we're not really discussing um, the border wall. But the main two issues that I think could really find bipartisan support is, again, family reunification or chain migration. What's happening right now, it it is a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. I I think it should be immediate family. I think uh, wives, husbands, children... Um, and then if they have a sister or something, she's got to go through the process, or he's, or if their brother, they got to go through the process. But I believe in a core. Uh, the Republicans believe supposedly in family values and a nuclear family, a strong nuclear family. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Gives people incentive to be here. Uh, they want to work hard for their family. But inviting all your friends over 
and and not saying that they are doing that, but uh, it can be. It does need to be a little bit controlled, and mm-hmm. I think you could find uh, common ground, middle uh, ground on that issue when it comes to a merit-based approach. I think there's a lot of common ground on that as well. Yeah. As I said earlier, Chuck Schumer, uh, I think in the last episode, Chuck Schumer proposed, the Democrats have proposed um, going to a merit-based approach. The lottery system is very bizarre. I like a merit-based system. Um, That seems like a wonderful compromise. But we're not talking about that. No, now we're talking about the Donald Trump saying the word shithole because he is a uh, non-articulate dipshit. Yeah. uh, To be as non-articulate as he is, uh, as I just uh, (laughs) clarified him as. Um, So that's what bothers me about it. So, um, I, I think it that that just plays. I mean, it, it is more a, into the problem with the, the with the lack of the media just delving in. They don't even get to the to very very uh, important issues that are pretty much on the surface, or at least should be. I mean, there is substance to his comment. You know, his comment says a lot about who he is, what he believes in. Yep, uh, that's and true. who he is and what he believes in uh, goes. Uh, very much to what happens in this country. I mean, the pre- what's in the president's heart uh, does have a lot yep. to do with what, because we're way past the era of politics where a politician will go against his own personal beliefs for the good of the country or for the good of his constituents. That used to happen a lot. That mm. used to happen quite a bit where a politician would be like, you know what, I don't personally believe in this, but my constituents well, do know, and it, Americans do, and this is better for Do you want to hear America. an interesting example of that? Sure. Joe Biden is pro-life. Joe Biden has been pro-life his entire uh, his entire reign in Senate. And he's not, always voted pro-choice. I did not know that. Yeah, he's a pro-life guy, and he says uh, I vote I vote uh, for my constituents. Yeah. I am personally pro-life, but I vote pro-choice because that's what my constituents uh, would like me to do. Yeah, a lot so, of t- that ain't the case with Donald Trump. No, no. Like, so I, I get it. I I get all the outrage. Yeah, of course. But, but we are. But we are also not talking about the uh, very substantive stuff that has a. Right now, very immediate effect on people's lives. Millions of people. Very uh, millions of yep. people. This uh, what what was supposed to be talked about in that meeting has a very real yep. effect right now on Ugh. what happens and, to millions of people. And again, so it's w- terrible on two levels. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> like, I know. It's, I, it's I, awful. I agree. It's awful on on two levels. I agree. Like, and you know what's so funny is these politicians work six months on this thing. Yeah. And it was just like for nothing. For nothing. For nothing. And you um, know what's going to happen now is that they're just going to stop working at shit. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Because every time anybody goes to Trump with something, he completely derails it. He fucks it up. Well, he fucks it up. Yeah, he's. You fucked it up. He did. He did. He definitely <laughs> should have just kept his mouth shut. I I don't see why he can't. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's he doesn't my, want to. He doesn't that, know that, how to. That's a, no, you, I, you can't change. You, you're not changing this seventy-two-year-old guy. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't know how to. He, we've we've got fucking racist grandpas. Our president now. Yeah. I mean, he's the he is turned into the guy that you do not look forward to talking to at Thanksgiving. That's who he is. Although you know he is he he does say nice things to people on the campaign trail. You know, he calls him to the microphone. Yeah, and that's just fantastic. Everyone um, loves it. Now that, you know, he does have that. He's in constant campa- uh, campaign mode. I just watched him yesterday. I believe he's in Pennsylvania, and that's that's where he shines, and that's where you know he really does connect with those people. And that's he does not like. He's just horrible at the business in Washington. He's horrible at the, he never doing his be, uh, job anyway. Uh, but again, the economy, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So here, let I guess uh, that's about it. Yeah. I think that's about it for the week. Yeah. Uh, that's it, huh? Just everything? <laughs> Good Lord Almighty. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this interview here. This is, again, with this fella, Anthony Graves, the author of Infinite Hope. Uh, we got to have criminal justice reform in this country, and he is just 
uh, a great voice and an advocate for criminal justice reform. I uh, hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks so much for listening. Marcus, anything? Uh, man, Birthday wishes? What do you want the audience to get you? I told him to send you pickles on Twitter. Oh, by the way, I got to yell at Sheriff uh, David Clark on Twitter. That <laughs> I can't schmuck. believe it took you to the end. I, th- I thought you'd lead with that. I, it was your birthday. <laughs> I yelled at Sheriff David Clark. Crime in Milwaukee is skyrocketed. He killed a person in his jail because they didn't give him water for seven days. He is the He was the worst sheriff, and now he's a horrible talking head, and he wants to be a politician. He's a total schmuck. Follow me on Twitter and see the feud. Mm. <laughs> All right, here's an interview with Anthony Graves. Thanks so much for listening to Hail Yourselves. Uh, Marcus Sparks, find you on everything. Yeah, at Marcus Sparks. Happy birthday. Thank you. Love you, buddy. I was about to say you too. It's not my birthday. <laughs> I'm, ne- I'm forever young. I'm never having another one. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. I am honored to have on the show right now, he's the author of the book Infinite Infinite Hope, How Wrongful Conviction, Solitary Confinement, and 12 Years on Death Row Failed to Kill My Soul. He's also the namesake of the Anthony Graves Foundation. Mr. Anthony Graves is with me. Thank you so much for joining the show, sir. Thank you so much, Mr. Ben Kessel. I am honored to be on your show. Well, I am honored uh, to speak with you. So uh, just for our audience sake, I've been thumbing through the book. It's absolutely fascinating, heartbreaking. Your courage uh, under such trying times is uh, is just absolutely remarkable. Just briefly, can you bring us to the summer of 1992 and what happened um, that led to your arrest? Yeah, uh, okay, so a family, an entire family was mm. murdered. It was uh, a family of six, four children, mm. a teenage uh a teenage daughter and a grandmother. Oh my they gosh. were shot, stabbed, bludgeoned to death. They were gasoline were poured all over their mm. bodies, and uh, the house was burned down in an obvious attempt to uh, uh, cover up the crime. And right. this this happened in a small county; like it, it's never happened before. So, okay. so that was a lot of outrage, you know. Right. As a matter of fact, the mayor came out the next day and said, "Who had ever done? Who had done the crime?" Right. Didn't deserve a trial. They should be caught and hanged. And that's kind of how they pursued the case. Right. So how did they end up saying Anthony Graves? How did they end up getting to you? Well, a young man showed up at a funeral with bandages on him. Looked like he had been uh, burnt. Mm. And he became immediately a, a person of interest to the Texas Rangers that was there. Yeah. Well, when they when he went home, they followed him and asked if he could if they could talk to him. They ended up taking him to the DPS office to interrogate him. Along the way, according to this young man's story, he thought he'd seen four young men, four African-American young men coming onto the feet of a, off the highway in a, a, a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Well, he thought one of the young men was me, which mm. which wasn't. So when, right. when they interrogated him over 14 hours and then asked him if he could just call the name of someone that could be with him, they would let him go. Wow. So he said because he thought he had seen me in the Jeep earlier, he just called my name. Wow. Gave him about seven or eight different stories, and then he thought they would let him go, but they turned around, arrested him, charged with capital murder. Four- and the next morning, within hours, they arrested me and charged me with capital murder. Six people uh, lost their lives. Uh, they are obviously six victims, and the seventh victim, uh, Anthony Graves, you are indeed the seventh victim in all of this. As this was happening, uh, I had a chance to uh, speak with Damian Eccles of the West Memphis Three. Um, what was your thought process 
going into the trial, uh, did you think this this couldn't be happening? There's no way I can be convicted of a crime I did not commit. Uh, at what point did you realize things aren't going the way that they should be? Well, I, I have to be honest with you. You know, when uh, all through my throughout school, uh, we were taught that we had the best criminal justice system mm-hmm. in the world. So I kept asking them to just get me to trial, take me to trial, because I had been in jail two and a half years waiting to go to trial. Wow. They kept putting it off and putting it off, and I kept begging, just get me to trial, because I just felt like if I could get the trial, just tell the truth, I can go home. Right. You know, I, to hear the truth, I can go home. But unfortunately, that's not the way our system worked, because when I asked for a trial, and the trial was what I got, man. They did everything they could to undermine uh, my constitutional rights. Right. Just get a conviction, and that's what will happen to me. Total violation of your Sixth Amendment right to a speedy trial. Can you go through the emotional toll that that must have, that that experience before the trial, you're you're detained for two and a half years, incarcerated for two and a half years. What is, uh, how did you keep your sanity? How did you keep your, your spirit? You know, I, I, I would always tell people that naivete saved my life, Ben, because I mm. was just, too naive to believe that they could actually do this to me. Right. I knew I was innocent. I wasn't even in the same town that the crime happened in. Mm. I don't have no history of no no type of violent behavior this guy. Right. So I just knew that there's no way they could just take me from my home and, and convict me and sentence me to death or something. I don't even know anything about it. don't know the people. The people don't know me. I have no reason to just turn my life upside down, right. and yet I'm facing the death sentence. So no you, crime I know absolutely nothing about. It was just mind-blowing. You ended up serving 18 and a half years total in prison, 12 years on death row. Um, I have to ask you, what is uh, that experience like when you did end up going to trial? Uh, you got the guilty verdict. Uh, what was, I mean, just can you um, can you sort of emotionally quantify your heart at that moment? Like how, I, I, can't, I can't even imagine you know, uh, it was really an out-of-body experience. But he, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When we were going through Vardai and we were picking a jury, and I heard about eight, seven of the, out of ten jurors say every time they got up on the witness stand that Mr. Graves must have done something, otherwise mm. he wouldn't be here. Right. I knew then that the deck was stacked against me, even though I had the presumption of, of innocence right. until proven guilty. They were already saying that because I was in the courtroom, I must have done something. Yep. So, you know, it, I, the odds were totally against me. And right. then when they came back and convicted me with absolutely no evidence, oh. it was like it was just mind blowing. It was like I, this is not my country. Right. This is not the this is not the system I've always believed in. Right. You know, we we have the best system in the world, but I'm finna go to death row for us crime. I don't even know anything about that happened in another town. I'm not even a bad guy. Oh it's my just, gosh. It was like it, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I knew that something else had to be going on because otherwise, why do I have to go through that? And that's right. how the birth of my book came about. So what happens? You get the guilty. I, I'm, I would assume you cuff up right away. You walk out of the courthouse. What is your life like for 12 years? Hell, anything that you can describe in your life as hell. I lived it 24 hours a day, mm. seven days a week, 6,640 days out of my life. God. I lived in hell. I was in solitary confinement. 
I witnessed young men taking their own lives, oh. uh, dropping their pills, uh, cutting their throat, oh. uh, slitting their wrists, attempting to hang themselves with their sheets. Mm. I witnessed men just literally, literally going out of their minds because of the conditions that right. we existed in on death row. It's something that I wouldn't wish on anyone. I, um, pure hell. Uh, I, um, I, I talk about criminal justice reform a lot on the shows uh, that I do. And uh, I, uh, I equate sort of um, solitary from what my understanding is, uh, you know, through the documentaries and things like that that I've seen. It seems like you're really almost buried alive above ground. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're totally isolated. And let me just say this. We are born for the human touch. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't realize how 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 important it is to be able to touch another human being mm. until that's taken away from us. I mean, because it just really strips you. It right. strips you of some part of humanity, and it just it leaves you totally feeling like you're just alone and abandoned, man. And then you're in these little walls. Well, I was in a six-by-nine cage, wow. and every day they still, these walls just closed in and closed in on you. Closed right. in. You don't have no television. You don't have no radio. You just doubt sitting there waiting to die or waiting to go crazy. That's one or the other is going to happen. How uh, did... Fortunately for me, I was the exception, not the rule, because I was just too naive to believe, as I said, that they could just actually murder me. So that wow. kept me sane. But I watched so many young men just lose their minds right. as those walls closed in on them. How were you, um, how was the outreach? How did that go about when it came to uh, meeting with some lawyers who say, yeah, we're going to help you out here. Obviously, this is a total miscarriage of justice. How did you even uh, get in contact uh, with those individuals or did they get in contact with you? Well, what happened with me, Ben, is that what I what I realized is that there were certain things that I could control that uh, uh, once I understood that, then it empowered me to start helping myself. Mm. And the thing that I could control was how I respond to this situation. I had a choice. I could either lay down and just let them kill me for something I didn't do, or I could stand up and fight for my rights. And if they killed me, the whole world would know what they did. So what I did is then I just started reaching out to any and everyone, asking if they could help save my life. And so many people from Europe started writing to me, mm. just reaching out. And I started asking them. And together we formed a coalition called Joint Hands for, Get- for Justice. And they became our loud chorus uh, from across the seas over here. Wow. And they started getting the attention of the media over here. And that led to my exoneration and uh, Thank my God. advocacy. What was the mental um, strategy that you came up with when – in solitary for all those years, what was the technique uh, that you were able to rely on to maintain sanity? I said to myself, the first time they gave me an execution date, the first thought went through my mind was, man, I'm just going to live till I die. Mm. They can't take that from me. And no matter what my situation was down there, I always remind myself that I have a right to live until I die. They can't take that from me. So knowing that, it, it empowered me to stay sane and understand that this is just my life, you know, right. and, and I just have to make the most out of it so that when I do get out, or if I don't get out, I would have made enough noise so that the whole world would know right. what the state of Texas is doing to me. I want to ask how many people, there's 2.5 million individuals right now incarcerated, highest incarceration rates in the world. Uh, how many people do you think are right now in solitary confinement, innocent? Ben, let me just say this, because I get that question asked to me often. And I always respond by saying, I hate 
putting a number on it because right. I feel like I'm going to leave somebody out. Okay. I just think the number is too high for us to really make a guess. It's too high for us to even contemplate that, that, that we're actually uh, uh, having that many innocent people behind bars. But I can tell you, it's definitely a high number. I was back there. Mm-hmm. When people say that they're innocent, I always tell people, pay attention to that because what has happened now is that politician has coined this phrase that where when people say that they're innocent, we respond and I say, yeah, they all say that. And right. I say today that, no, they do not all say that. Mm. People that are innocent say that. And you need to pay attention because I was back there. And for 18 and a half years, I tried to tell the world that I was innocent. Wow. So uh, we shouldn't be shutting out people when they're trying to tell you from behind the grave that they're innocent. Well, it's uh, just such an incredible story, and criminal justice reform is so needed in this country. Uh, Donald Trump has begun to approach the situation. Who knows what happens uh, with that? What would you like to see change when it comes to our prison system? Well, I just would like here's the thing, Ben. We have to understand that 95 or 97% of the people that we send away are going to come back to our community. Mm. And so while we have them down there, why aren't we trying to put some tools in their hands so they can be productive when they come home? Right. And we don't have to worry about them going back into our windows and breaking into our cars. Yeah. We put ourselves at risk by not taking the event of the opportunity to educate these people and put some sort of tools in their hands so they can come back out here and not be a threat to us anymore. Yeah. All we're thinking about is crime and punishment instead of rehabilitation and reentry. That's yeah. where we need to go if we're really talking about making our society safe. It's not about locking them out. Right. It's about once we lock them up, what we're going to do with them because they're definitely coming back. Well, speak- and I think that if we educate them, yeah. we, can, we can definitely welcome back. Speaking of speaking of reentry, I'm interested to hear what your emotional state was. Uh, maybe it's the inverse, the opposite of your emotional state when you got the guilty verdict. But when you finally walked free, um, what was that like? Was it overwhelming? Uh, um, stunning? Were you surprised, or was this a uh, was this a, a vision that you had before and and uh, something you expected to see happen? Wow, you know, uh, Ben, I tell you what, when that day happened, you have to understand, I didn't even know. Uh, I had a shield and a sword in my hand, and they were going to either kill me or set me free. They had been trying to make a deal with me, and I told them, no, kill me or set me free, because that's the only way it's going to be. I'm standing up for what was right. Mm -hmm. And then they came to me, and they opened up those doors and told me that I was free and that I could go home. I was scared. I was mm. literally, literally scared because I felt like, you know, I had dreamed this dream for so many years, so many nights. And every time I woke up, I was still behind them bars. Right. What if this is another, just another dream? Mm. How will I be able to come back from this one? Because this one seems so real. So I was afraid. I was afraid. So when they told me that I could go, I hesitated. And they was like, mm. well, you want to go get your property? And I just needed to, to get out of the, the I needed some space. I needed to get away from everybody because I was so discombobulated. Right. And as I was walking down the hallway, it just dawned on me, man, it's over. Wow. It's over. And, and wow. at that moment, man, I just thought about all that I had to go through to yeah. get to this moment. Oh, my God. And I Thank didn't you. to call my mom. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. Infinite, infinite Hope, Anthony Graves. Check out this book. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate spending the time with you and, uh, and you sharing your story. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. 
I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.